0: Bye-bye. <laughs>
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Coffee Connections. I am Seth Weiner, and I am your rock It's a pleasure to be back on this beautiful day. Oh, my gosh. Atlanta is this gorgeous sunshine. It's the fall, hence the autumn leaves, Chet Baker, that I played on the intro. Uh, The weather today is unbelievable. The best part about the weather for me, though, when it's like this, it's you got the fall weather, it's cool outside, and it's still green. You know, not everything's dead yet, so uh, it's uh, it's really nice. Hopefully, the weather's good by you. No matter what, hopefully, you're staying positive and enjoying the start to your week. Uh, today, we are being joined. I'm I'm super excited about this episode. Uh, let me tell you that the work that the Atlantic Community Food Bank does is just unreal, and um, I'm just I'm I'm excited to learn about what they're doing and share with you all. So uh, let me let me tell you about our guest. We've got their president and CEO. Kyle Wade, who uh, oversees the distribution of over 75 million pounds of food. I'm going to say that again. 75 million pounds of food and grocery products each year through a network of over 700 local and regional partner nonprofit organizations that feed those in need across 29 Georgia counties. Kyle served for three years as the food bank's vice president and partner operations leading the organization to record-breaking years of food distribution to the hungry. Prior to joining the food bank, he has had several management roles at the Home Depot, in disaster relief, corporate responsibility, community affairs, and store operations. He also previously served as part of the management team that created and launched Charity Navigator, the nation's premier charity evaluation service. Kyle is a graduate of Harvard University. He currently serves as the chair of the Southeast Regional Cooperative and vice president, excuse me, vice chair of the Georgia Food Bank Association. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming our friend, Kyle. Let me add you here. There you go. Hello, sir.
0: Hey, how are you Seth? Great to be here.
1: Yeah. Great to see you. Um, are you enjoying your uh, start to your week?
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm having a great week and um, I'm enjoying the nice fall weather like you are and um You know, we're uh, busy as all get out here at the food bank. A lot to do, uh, just given the situation we're all living in. But I feel really good about our progress.
1: That's awesome. We're going to talk all about that. But first, it's Coffee Connection. So let's talk coffee. I mean, this is, you know, I can't say coffee talk is trademark. So we'll talk coffee. Uh, Are you a coffee drinker?
0: I love coffee. Um, I need a cup of coffee right now. I didn't have time to go get a uh, refresh, but here's the cup. That's our ah, nice uh, food bank cup. That's our food bank logo there, um, and then we've got you know Atlanta, whoop, Atlanta Community Food Bank. Um, so normally this would be uh, nice and full with a hot cup of coffee, decaf in the afternoon. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm a big coffee fan.
1: So uh, coffee then, uh, dark roast, medium. What's your roast?
0: You know. I'm probably getting, I'm definitely black, no cream, no sugar, but, um, probably more of a medium roast, uh, these days, um, um, uh, used to be all about the dark roast, you know, go down to Starbucks and get it, uh, as uh, dark as possible. But, uh, these days I'm, uh, kind of mellowing out as I get older and <laughs> I, I, I think I like the medium roast. So,
1: okay. Uh, so then, uh, when it comes well, to, uh, I'll,
0: I'll go hazelnut. You know, I'm not afraid to get a little flavor coffee. You get a little, it's okay
1: to get a little nutty with your coffee.
0: Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> get a little flavor in there. But uh, now,
1: what about? Um, are you more? I mean, it was Atlanta, so are you an iced coffee drinker, hot coffee, or pre- just?
0: No, I'm 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 uh, not into the iced coffee. It's uh, hot coffee all the time, and um, and and but I'm not picky either. You know, I'm I'm fine with the break room coffee. You know. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'll go down to the gas station and get coffee. I don't have <laughs> to go to the, um, uh, I'm not picky and well, let, let's what, be real what gas what stations. Me, well, exactly. And, um, um, uh, and my wife gives me a hard time cause I also, um, drink it slowly so I could have a cup of coffee and it's, uh, and I'm still drinking it like an hour later, it's lukewarm or, or, you know, borderline cold by the time. So in that sense, I'd. I guess I no, drink coffee. It. Yeah. But, so I'm, I'm low rent on the coffee, but I drink uh, too much of it.
1: All right. Well, now, what about Drip, which probably sounds like you are over a French press?
0: So um, I really like French press, but I, okay. I don't have one. And so I have a Drip coffee maker. But uh, French press is good. Um, in fact, we were uh, out of town not long ago and uh, staying at an Airbnb place and they had a French press thing there. And I was like, man, this is good. I need to get one. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of the French press, but, uh, I don't, I'm not a practitioner.
1: I found a personal French press device that a, a friend of mine had in Colorado, fell in love with it, bought it. But and then I was like, I should have them sponsor me for real because I like buy it for everyone as gifts now, like for the holidays. And I changed, I mean, I was, I, I saved so much money on coffee now because I just do a little bit in the French press and it's a portable thing. You put a lid on it and go. It's amazing. But, um,
0: yeah. well now you know uh, what to get me for, uh, you know, my birthday. So,
1: absolutely. Well, I was going to make a donation to the Atlantic community food, but I'll do both. I'll do both. You know, and do so both. can you
0: folks. You can skip the birthday present if it's really a, a, a pinch, but, um, uh, you know, if, if you're in the mood, I'm happy to take the French press gift.
1: All right. Um, well, you know, a new question, I haven't asked my guest yet, but I was thinking about asking, um, now your facility just moved from the West side of Atlanta to near the airport. And I'm curious, is there a new coffee shop that you're, you're, you're digging these days or is, or do you have an Atlanta favorite? Either, either a question.
0: Um, gosh, I, um, I don't go to coffee shops that often. So um, uh, there's a Starbucks here, not far from where we are right now. That, that'll be the place that, uh, if I, if I'm feeling like I need a special cup of coffee, I might go over there. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm going to go over here to the break room and, uh, that's my coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang out with some of our staff. So
1: there you go. Well, let's jump into and it. I let's talk about, a,
0: there's a place in Decatur I would go to. Um, oh, which one's that? Um, No, what's the dang name of it? Dancing
1: Goat, Java Um, Monkey. Dancing Goats,
0: it's Dancing Goats, yeah. And uh, I like that place. That's a a nice coffee shop.
1: Yeah, they're good. Uh, I mean, you know, anything in Decatur I find good, but I like that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So would you be so kind to go ahead and take the mic and let everyone know about the Atlanta Community Food Bank, uh, your mission, what you all do, how you got involved, uh, etc.?
0: Sure. So the Atlanta Community Food Bank is one of the largest hunger relief organizations in the country. We um, uh, supply food to a network of uh, 700, close to 700 partner organizations across 29 counties in Metro Atlanta and North Georgia. Uh, these organizations are um, uh, church food pantries, they're um, soup kitchens, their are uh, daycare, childcare centers, they're uh, senior facilities, uh, a, whole, a whole host of uh, types of organizations, but most of them are just uh, traditional food pantries. And through that network of partners uh, that get food from us, we uh, provide um, more than 78 million pounds of food a year uh, to about 750,000 people uh, across the 29 counties we serve. Um, that's the equivalent of uh uh, more than um, 65 million meals that we're providing to the community. Uh, it's closer to 67 million meals. And uh, it represents a tremendous amount of growth uh, that uh, in, in our output to the community uh, just over the last uh, decade. Um, we uh, at the Food Bank have a mission uh, to engage, educate, and empower the community uh, to fight hunger. And what's interesting about that mission is that even though, as I just described, we're a very large food distribution company, we're a not-for-profit, but we're a a large food distribution uh, organization. Our mission is really fighting hunger is really not simply about moving food around. Uh, There's no mention in our mission statement of trucks or warehouses or logistics, or even of food itself. Uh, Our mission is about community engagement. And that's because we recognize that the problem of hunger uh, where one in six of our neighbors uh, and one, of the, one in four of the kids in our community don't always have enough food, that problem is so immense that we can't solve it just by ourselves at the food bank. We've got to engage uh, the broader community, uh, empower them to uh, uh, do what they can to make a difference if we have any hope of really ending hunger in our community. Um, you know, for me personally, I got into this work uh, through um, kind of a circuitous path. I've got a background that sort of started in the nonprofit sector. Uh, you mentioned some of my resume earlier um, and worked in a number of different nonprofit organizations over the years. I spent some time in the corporate world uh, at the Home Depot here in Atlanta and learned a tremendous amount uh, about how organizations um, uh, make decisions, plan for the future, uh, get resources, manage risk. Uh, and I then had the opportunity to bring some of that learning uh, back to the nonprofit world here at the food bank, uh, where I've been lucky enough to sort of build a career for the last eight years. Uh, so we've been growing. Uh, we we uh, have uh, increased our distribution of food more than five times what we were back in 2000 and eight at the time of the last uh, recession, Uh, and we know that in the environment where we are in currently, uh, we are growing tremendously again. Um, uh, uh, We're on pace this year to distribute now more than a hundred million pounds of food in a single year, uh, and we think we're just going to continue to grow from here.
1: Yeah, that's, (laughs) I mean, I can't even picture that much food. (laughs) You know, it's, it's so much.
0: It's, um, uh, it is so much food. It's incredible.
1: I want to get into the COVID uh, situation, how things have changed. But before that, you mentioned how your mission doesn't talk about all those other things, but talks about community. What are mm-hmm. some of the things you do to build that community?
0: So I think it's important to um, uh, start the answer to that question by saying that we do other things uh, in our core work besides just distribute food. So we're, of course, a, a really um, uh, expert uh, kind of logistics organization and how we uh, get food in, move it around, get it out the door. Uh, But beyond that core work of distributing food, we're also connecting um, uh, people in need in our community to other kinds of resources. Uh, We help people sign up for programs like SNAP or uh, Medicare savings accounts. Um, Additionally, we uh, work really actively in the public policy space, Uh, And we're uh, working with state agencies, with federal lawmakers um, uh, to look at how we can improve upon uh, the various programs that exist to help support low and moderate income families uh, in our community. Uh, And then we engage the community more broadly through our volunteer program. Uh, We have 30,000 people volunteer uh, every year at the food bank. Uh, We um, engage people through um, special events like our hunger walk, uh, our golf tournament that you know very well. Uh, it, it helps people get exposure to the food bank um, and participate in our work. We engage people through fundraising efforts. Um, and uh, we just connect people with opportunities to serve um, so that they can make a difference in in fighting hunger. Um, yeah.
1: So often, and I, I've been caught being like this as well. Often when people think of uh, food banks, they're like, oh, I could help. I have some canned goods I could donate. But the reality is a canned good can only help so much, but you're able to stretch someone's dollar to make a lot more. So what they would pay for that canned good, you could do a lot more. Can you, can you um, elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. So it's just about uh, economies of scale here, right? So if you think about the massive volume of food that we're moving through our system, Uh, Most of that food is coming directly from uh, grocery store chains, distributors, manufacturers, farmers. You know, we're receiving food by the truckload, the tractor-trailer load, not by the sack of canned goods. Uh, And that sort of leverage that we get by having um, relationships with these large food companies um, allows us to really access food, source food, very inexpensively. Uh, And so you can go down today and, you know, um, canned uh, black eyed peas or whatever are on special at a dollar a can. Uh, That's a great deal. But you give us that same dollar and we'll probably be able to get nine cans of food. Um, And it's just a a much different kind of um, operational scale that we're able to uh, access because we're getting so much of that food donated. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, either through federal sources and, and your dollar that allows us to, you know, have our staff in place, uh, pay for our power bill, uh, so that we have our refrigerator and cooler working, uh, help us put gas in the trucks. You know, that, that dollar Mm -hmm. allows us to uh, get a lot more food, um, than you can, um, get us by just bringing us a can of, uh, of beans or whatever.
1: Now, one of the organizations I've worked with in Colorado called Conscious Alliance. They are uh, they mo- they're in the music industry uh, primarily. That's where their uh, supporter base comes from. But they move food as well. And one of the things they've been strategically able to do is get strategic partners with um, you know uh, uh, food companies that have product that are expiring. And are able to get that in people's hands, or mix, you know, label, mislabeled, and things like that. Uh, is there a lot of food that's manufactured here uh, in Atlanta? And do you have those access, those relationships
0: as well? So, um, you know, Atlanta is a logistics hub for the southeast, and there is certainly some manufacturing um, that is happening uh, here in the Atlanta area. You know, different large food companies. Um, have uh, uh, plants here. Um, some of them are really large multinational companies. Some of them are uh, smaller and more local, mm-hmm. everything in between. Um, and uh, and so that uh, sort of uh, uh, weight of gravity that Atlanta represents because we're such a logistics hub, uh, allows for some of those uh, distribution centers and manufacturing centers uh, to be located here. We're able to get product from those places. Uh, In addition, you know, Georgia is an agricultural um, state. Uh, There's a lot of farming um, and agricultural production that goes on here. Um, And we get a lot of uh, produce in particular uh, from farms all across Georgia that shows up here, you know, again, by the truckload. Um, You know, in the past couple of months, we've been averaging about two and a half million pounds of produce Per month, fresh produce per month that we're moving through our system.
1: Yeah, um, so I, I want to touch on that a little bit more. So, like, COVID hits, and you had all these farmers growing all these all this produce here in Georgia, right? And then yep. people aren't going to the grocery stores and. I mean, I happen to be someone that likes produce, so I like the fresh produce, and I was getting it. But most people just went to canned goods and was like, "Not touching the produce." What? And then the then let's you know, you got the schools and the all, all the cafeteria, like all this shuts down. The need is gone. The restaurants, the all this food is going to waste. How do, how does that end up in your hands and and yep. from or and then to the right people? What? How does that all work on the logistical side?
0: Yeah. So just a t- uh, table set on COVID. So I think first of all. You know, need in the community has gone up just uh, tremendously. You know, we're, we, we think of the number of food insecure people has grown by 50 percent. I just got a text from a friend of mine an hour ago uh, who just lost his job. And, and I think uh, that's related to downturn that is associated with uh, the pandemic. We think that's going to continue, even though job losses have slowed down. We, we, we don't think we're out of the woods there yet. Uh, and so need has gone way up. Um, The um, supply chain has been disrupted in a variety of different ways. Um, uh, Some of that has uh, been challenging for us. Uh, In fact, there was a huge run on grocery stores uh, back in the spring, and to some degree that's still going on, um, where just stores are out of stock on on just basic supplies. Everybody knows about the toilet paper, but they're also... (laughs) Uh, out of stock on other food items, um, right. which uh, made it hard for us to access those same items uh, there for a while. Uh, and conversely, um, uh, a number of different, you know, a large number of different um, food producers, farmers, um, uh, had their markets uh, closed uh, because all the restaurants were uh, out mm-hmm. of business. You know, there are, there are growers who, and you know, really direct their product to the food service business, that they grow things that are really tailored to restaurants and hotels and convention centers. And they saw their markets go away totally. Um, And so uh, we've been able in partnership with um, uh, the State Department of Agriculture, with the United States uh, Department of Agriculture, um, uh, uh, who have provided funding to help support some of this, uh have been able to source products directly from these farmers who have seen their markets disrupted um and then that shows up here and and we're able to then get it out quickly through a large number of mobile distributions that we're doing all across uh, the metro area in partnership with different organizations at the grassroots level uh, to get that product out some of those partners are schools you know schools that were in um uh session and providing lots of food to uh, low and moderate income families that are now not uh, because they're doing school virtually they're not providing um food in the same way we're we're showing up at schools and doing mobile distributions in their parking lots to the families that are served by those school communities Uh, we're doing mobile distributions uh, in partnerships with different cities and counties across the region uh, with different industry partners uh, we've done distributions mm-hmm. at hotels to serve out-of-work hotel workers. Um, you know, it's just a, a whole a range of different ways in which mm-hmm. we've been able to um, schedule and operate uh, distributions and, and with different partners to really target pockets of need across the region. And we're able to supply those distributions through partnerships with, um, uh, in particular, farmers who have seen their just uh, markets really disrupted by the current crisis
1: yeah well first of all it's amazing that that the food doesn't go to waste but second when you talk about the schools i mean these kids that's a lot of these schools that's where they got their one nutritious meal a day and now you know and it's it's interesting because now when you're doing this support the school's giving them the the pickup program uh and you're able to supplement that with food for a home Hopefully, this is helping them at home to to get more than that one meal. Um, so so I find that to be amazing. But also, I wonder what happens to the individual. So you mentioned your friend, right? Your friend that just recently lost his job. There's a lot of folks that, that this is happening with. What about that sense of pride? Is it is this something that your volunteers are trained to support and to help people? I imagine if someone goes from their reality of being able to afford food to having to to shift and actually go and pick up food. There's, there's there might be a, a touching point there that might be a little bit hard for folks.
0: It's, it's really challenging. And, and I think the mental impact, the emotional impact of uh, this kind of disruption for um, someone is uh, as significant as the sort of physical impact of, of, of needing access to food and, and the financial impact of it. Um, you know, the, partners that we're fortunate to work with um, do this every day and the reality is that um, um, uh, food insecurity is kind of a cyclical um, event for most folks most folks are not coming to a food pantry every day or every month even Um, on average they come eight times a year but there are some who um, are coming much less frequently or they come for eight times in a year and then they get back on their feet and then maybe a few years later, they, they uh, need to come back again. Um, so they're, they're, uh, the, the partners we work with are used to people uh, being in a moment of crisis, in a moment of trauma, um, and responding with tremendous empathy and dignity uh, to, uh, the, to how people show up at these, at these pantries. I think that is even more um, significant right now. Um, 50% of the people who are showing up at food pantries right now are doing so for the first time they've ever had to, uh, which is a a reflection of the number of people who have have seen disruptions in their work and in their incomes. Um, And so, you know, uh, having partners who know how to be responsive to those emotional uh, and mental uh, um, uh, challenges that folks are facing is really critical. One of the things that we do at the food bank is we provide sort of trauma-informed training for our partners mm-hmm. to help them be sort of prepared for uh, that aspect of what uh, their client base is is uh, dealing with.
1: Yeah, and now you all recently moved, well, before I even move up, the, that's amazing. And I'm so happy to hear that because I just can only imagine i mean when someone picks up food it's got to be such a an emotional thing so to have that support and and to train staff to be able to handle it it's it's amazing um you all moved right be like what you say it was a week before the pandemic to your new location
0: so we moved into our new facility we went through a capital campaign process raised a lot of money uh, did a lot of work with experts and uh, designed and then built um a state-of-the-art, 350,000-square-foot uh, distribution center and community engagement facility, uh, as well as our headquarters. Um, this was a you know, project that took a couple of years to complete. Um, we uh, moved in after just tremendous effort on March 2nd. Uh, thinking that that was gonna be the most disruptive thing that we would experience (laughs) uh, this year. And then uh, about nine days later, uh, I think the whole world, uh, at least here in the United States, really turned on its head. You know, March 11th was the day that the World Health Organization declared that we were in a global pandemic. Uh, The stock market crashed. Um, The NCAA canceled the uh, March Madness Final Four. Uh, tournament, the NBA uh, suspended its season, you know, all those things happened uh, like in a matter of hours on the same day, March 11th. And then shortly after that, schools all across our region were canceling and closing their doors. And it was just, it was uh, disorienting the um, uh, speed with which all these things uh, happened and really changed the nature of our work overnight. So we were still unpacking boxes literally um, uh, that day because we had moved, you know, only a week before, and um, and uh, trying to navigate our response to the pandemic as we were navigating the impact of the move uh, was a huge challenge. Uh, and the team did a great job; we we overcame it. But man, those first few weeks were tough.
1: Uh, yeah. I imagine so. I mean, it's like, yeah, as soon as you get there, it's like put on your seatbelt because, you know, everything's going to change. Um, how are things settled though? I mean, like we talked about the school shutting down and then, you know, and then how you were able to get food to the, help them get food to the families, et cetera. Now that schools are reopening or, or, are still closed in a lot of cases. Um, and the schools have had a chance to figure out like what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Uh, how, how are you feeling? How are things changed? Change? How are things moving forward?
0: So uh, we have definitely found our footing at the food bank and and have gotten into a great rhythm in how we are distributing food. We're, we're moving right now more than 9 million pounds of food every month. Um, you know, uh, on a daily basis, it's like 450,000 pounds of food that we're moving out the door. Um, so it's a, a tremendous volume that we're supporting right now. Uh, And uh, we've been able to uh, sustain that and uh, add enough uh, resources and capacity to keep that going. Um, And uh, so we feel good about being able to uh, keep this up indefinitely. Uh, The community has uh, supported us with just tremendous financial support um, uh, that uh, is allowing us to respond really aggressively to the crisis. Um, The... uh, Food industry uh, and the federal government have been tremendously responsive in helping us get access to the food resources we need. Um, a- at the same time, uh, our partner network has been able to be prove itself to be very resilient. You know, we were worried that a lot of our uh, pantry partners across the region would would not be able to continue operating in the current climate, uh, but they've uh, really surpassed our expert expectations. Uh, and have continued to operate despite the sort of public health uh, challenge. Right. So I think the biggest challenge in front of us as we move forward is just we think demand is not going down anytime soon. We
1: That's think if reality. anything,
0: it's going, to, uh, it's going to continue to increase.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Can you make a clarification for our listeners here? I, I'm, I think a common question is, what is the difference of a food bank and a food pantry?
0: Great question. So um, a food bank and some food pantries call themselves a food bank, which is fine, but if you, uh, the, you know what's in a name, but for uh, the way we operate as a food bank is that we are essentially a wholesaler, right? So we provide food, supply food um, to other organizations who then distribute it to people on the front lines. A food pantry would be an organization that is serving people directly. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of retail versus wholesale. And uh, we're the wholesaler, we're the distribution center, um, and um, uh, the uh, pantries are our retail footprint.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for the clarification there. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do want to talk a little bit about fundraising. I mean, as your auctioneer, if I don't talk about fundraising, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, how have, um, well, first question is, where do you get most of your uh, fundraising from? Is it sourced through non, uh, through um, sponsors and, you know, uh, corp- companies, corporations, or is it through direct donations and fundraising events?
0: So we have a really diverse um, uh, kind of revenue um, model. Uh, we get um, about a third of our uh, funding... Um, well, a little bit less than that now because we've grown our revenue here over the last year, but um, uh, a chunk of revenue from federal uh, and state uh, government sources, public sources, um, we get um, about 10 percent of our revenue uh, from fees from our different partners. Uh, and then the, the balance, which is more than half, like 60 percent, um, comes from private fundraising. That private mm-hmm. fundraising consists of donations from companies, from foundations, um, from um, uh, individuals, uh, and from um, uh, special events that we uh, conduct throughout the year. Right.
1: Now, ha- have not been able to do in person galas and all the in person fundraising that you've done in the past, the golf tours, et cetera. Uh, are you all shifting to do creative new fundraising or have you made any pivots yet in that, in that realm?
0: Um, our special events have been compromised by the current environment. It's just you can't have a 10,000-person uh, walk-run um, in the current environment. Um, and so, so we shut down our Hunger Walk back in mm-hmm. March. Uh, we did have our golf tournament Um, but had to modify it significantly um, uh, earlier uh, this fall. Um, And then uh, as we go forward, we're going to need to really evaluate whether or not we can safely host different events in person or if we need to do them virtually. Um, And so we're looking at ways to modify that. Uh, Thankfully, um, uh, while those event uh, sources of revenue have have been impacted negatively uh, by the current environment. Uh, We've just enjoyed tremendous support from the community Uh, and that supports Mm -hmm. allowed us um, uh, to really not skip a beat in responding to the current crisis.
1: That's great. Now, you that are watching can actually support uh, by going to their website, which is listed right there, acfb.org. And you can make a donation. You could see other ways to get involved, volunteering, etc. So please definitely check out the website. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time. But before I let you go, at the end of every show, my guest gets to pick a future guest, which would be another Atlanta nonprofit. Is there one that comes to mind that you'd like to invite and recommend onto the show?
0: Um, So I think it would be um, um, uh, a great uh, conversation to have um, uh, Keith Parker, the head of Goodwill Industries of North Georgia, um, on the show. I think one of the challenges that um, uh, that we're going to face in the coming years is just helping people get back to work. Yeah. Uh, Our goodwill organization serving this region. Uh, Just does tremendous work. It's the number one goodwill in the country for uh, getting people back to work. Uh, Keith used to run MARTA um, before he took over Goodwill um, and is a great leader and uh, would be a great um, guest for your show. And I think uh, provide your listeners with a lot of great insights into the uh, current uh, kind of job uh, market environment.
1: Yeah, oh, I would love to talk with them. Thanks for the recommendation. I know that I remember the Goodwill uh, over in Decatur, over on Lawrenceville Highway, got uh, went from, the, remember, it used to be by the movie theater. It was just a truck that you would drop things off. And then right. they got the storefront there. And I was like, oh, I always thought of Goodwill as just this, you know, like storefront kind of thing, a donation right. center, et cetera. But they built this whole complex that is right. an educational center. And I'm like, I was confused. I had no clue about that. So I'd be very curious to learn more. So that's a great recommendation. I thank you for that.
0: Uh, excellent. Well, I hope you have them on.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, as always, Coffee Connections is recorded, available at auctioneer.com. Please visit the Atlanta Community Food Bank online, acfb.org. Uh, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks so much, Kyle.
0: Take care.